blueprint for this one? Do I have a blueprint? <laughs> yeah. Like, do you have a roadmap? I have a roadmap, I guess. I mean, I watched the movie. What are you telling me right now? That you haven't watched the movie? Oh, uh, I watched it um, twice, actually. <laughs> do you know what the movie's about? About the boogeyman. The boogeyman. The boogie, 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 man. All right. So the boogeyman is back. And this time he's not wearing a William Shatner mask. <laughs> the shape. It's the shape. Yes, they call him the shape. But... Okay. Welcome back to the ice cream parlor. I am Heidi. That is Stefan. What? 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 Stefan, what? <laughs> I don't know what. I'm just saying the boogeyman. That's what they called him, I thought. That's what Tommy called him. Yeah, the boogeyman. The boogeyman. But I guess listed, he's called the, the shape. The shape, right. Sorry. I, I am DB credits. You're correct. He's the shape. <laughs> um, but yeah, the boogeyman of 2023 is not the shape. No, he's not. Uh, the Boogeyman from 2023, directed by Rob Savage, is not about Michael Myers. No. I wonder if he's related to Fred Savage at all. I don't know. But Rob Savage also directed a movie we've already watched for this show, Host. Oh, really? Yeah. You know the, the Zoom one. Oh, the Zoom one. Oh, Okay. Yeah, that's right. Would they do the seance and all that? Yes, exactly. And the only reason I, well, not the only reason, but what uh, I guess triggered the memory of Rob Savage was because Salen in the movie Host is also playing a medium in this movie, though it's a very, very, very small role. The oh the the older lady that was the medium in the first one you're saying right? Yeah, I got you, got you. Yeah, Uh, she was. uh, a YouTube medium that one of the girls in this uh, in this movie, the Boogeyman, was watching when she missed her mom. Ah, uh, that's a good catch. Look there. That's a good Thank catch. You. I don't Thank think I noticed that. So, the Boogeyman, twenty twenty three, directed by Rob Savage, starring Sophie Thatcher, Chris Messina, and Vivian Lyra Blair. Okay. Okay. The synopsis, general synopsis. Um, a family coping with the loss of their mother find themselves vulnerable to a dark entity. Uh, it's an adaptation of a short story written by Stephen King. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Was... The short story is called The Boogeyman. Oh, I don't know what it's called. But um, also, some scenes were changed after test screening of this movie because some of the screams or gasps or what have you were too loud. So you, uh, you wouldn't be able to hear the dialogue that immediately followed the scares. Now, are there scares that would make me scream in this movie? Absolutely not. But I can understand how um, some newer audiences who are not yeah, as desensitized I, I as we are might Okay, yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm a little skeptic about that in general, but yeah, you're right. Um, but the fact that they pointed out, like, we had to edit around the fact that it was so scary that people couldn't hear the next word coming up. Like, that next word was so important. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you do what you do. What did Hitchcock, when the movie Psycho came out, he, like, told people they were not allowed to tell anybody the ending of it. And he bought all the copies of the book. So nobody understood the ending of it. Yeah. So um, people have done. That's pretty psycho. Other things. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the cold open of this movie. Because I thought that was pretty cool. I was surprised that they were like, you know what? Let's kill a baby. Yeah. So how did the movie go? The movie. They kill the baby. <laughs> yeah, the movie starts off with um, a kid who's in a crib. I don't know what age that like is. A toddler, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So it can't get out of the crib yet. It's a little girl, right? And she's hearing noises in a closet, which is a very big. Like, um, I think m- most every kid all throughout the world probably has that as a fear. Right? Isn't that like almost like a what, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like unanimous. You know, it's like. Every, it's a shared, it's a shared uh, fear, think, fear of most right? all children um, throughout any culture in the world, I believe. Just the fear of the dark, fear of something being in your closet or in your room, mm-hmm. under your bed. Like Those mm-hmm. are things that immediately bring us fear as children going to sleep. We don't want to be left alone. Um, I can 
clearly remember feeling that as a child. As a latchkey kid, (laughs) the kid that was left at home alone quite often. Those fears are not exactly universal, but I do get why a closet might be scary at night. Um, And I will say as an adult, I always make sure my closet is closed before I go to sleep. Yeah, I, I, um, I get it. And I noticed that you've done that. You've told me about that before. Um, I don't mind whether the closet's open or closed. Like, I haven't continued on with that, but that's me. And we've talked about that before in other episodes. Oh, the untraumatized child. Yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> but boy, as a kid, there was definitely some times where I was like, I had this technique, which I thought would work, where if, like, a bed is perfectly made, you can't hide under it because the, it's all tucked in nicely, right? So I always figured if the bed looks like it had been slept in but not made, like it would be all ruffled and shit. So a lot of times um, what I would do is I'd ruffle up the thing. I don't know how to say it. Like I would try to just sit within the creases of the, like a thick, the folds like, of the blanket um, or whatever. I so it would be like camouflaged in. I see how that would be a good strategy, especially if it's like a San Marcos blanket. You know, like um, that big blanket we have that mm-hmm. uh, that my daughter – essentially took with a big old line on it. Right. So those blankets are very thick and you can technically like uh, it when it gets like smooshed together, can look like it has somebody in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, not that it has somebody in it, but somebody would, what wouldn't be in it because of the way that it's all like just thrown around. Anyway, that was one of the things I remember as a kid, I'd be like, all right, just breathe. Don't breathe. Be very still. Don't breathe. Yeah. That almost going to work. Because you hear noises, right? Like, haven't you? I, I'm you don't want to get into this for I'm going to defer to your logic because um, my nighttime scaries are a lot different than your nighttime scaries growing up. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's not go down that path. However, <laughs> um, yeah, what what else did you experience? So were you scared of... Were you scared of just the dark, the closet, something under your bed, like as it, it was a monster or was it just fear of the unknown? Well... Um... Or like fear of what you can't see. I think ultimately it stemmed from a fear of maybe something spiritual, like in the sense of like either a ghost or a demon or something like religious based sort Mm -hmm. of. Um, Although, I don't know, to be honest with you, way back then my parents weren't as religious as they are now. Mm -hmm. So back then I don't even know if I had that concept. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I had that concept of religion, but it was just more like a scare. Yeah, like a boogeyman or like a mm. unknown creature. Um, I, w- I do remember reoccurring dreams of me falling asleep, feeling like that there's something chasing me and they're getting closer and closer and the sound, really? a ringing sound. that A would recurring just, dream? Yeah, it would be like just me trying to get away from something and I would hear like a ringing kind of like tinnitus kind of thing, get closer and closer and closer. And I'm trying to, and, but I'm like running in the middle of like black darkness of like nothing. There's no terrain. It's just like, it's like limbo. That's interesting because um, the darkness is what essentially the girls in this movie are scared of. Yes, there's a boogeyman, but ultimately what, starts their um their fear or what we see as their fear even prior to quote the boogeyman i think appearing um is a fear of the darkness which is essentially when you slip into darkness right when you die and this entire family that this movie is is um is focused on just experienced the loss of their mother uh, I think, what was it, like a year before or something like that? Or not even a year not before, even, had to a be, month before or something like that, yeah, because they be said it's been recent. a month, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's the girls being, a, being afraid of the darkness, which is essentially where their mother is now. Mm-hmm. You didn't like the movie. I mean, I... Uh... I thought that there were some parts that were good. Like I said, the cold open had me like, oh, shit, they killed the baby. But she goes, daddy. And like you're thinking like it's not a boogeyman. It's like a deranged parent. Right. And we are led to believe that when that guy does finally come to the the, the dad, to the two kids, the main characters or whatever. Yeah. When he, you know. Um, Who's for to therapy. say it isn't? <laughs> But we don't, I mean, he hangs himself. So we don't really find out. Like, Okay, so let's get into it. So the movie focuses around 
Let's just introduce the characters, sure. Because otherwise, nobody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I I don't remember their names anyway, so okay. you know we always give them funny nicknames, right? So the movie focuses on this family. Mm-hmm. The family is the husband, is the dad, and then the two girls. The dad, I don't know his fucking name. His name's Dad, but the other girls are uh, Sadie, who is the eldest, and she's like a high school student, and Sawyer, who's like an elementary school student. Two little girls, two girls, two, two young younger, girls. Yeah, sisters. And they recently lost their mother a month prior in a, due to a very vague car accident. Mm-hmm. And they are now with their neglectful father. Like, such a neglectful father. Like, these girls are never with a parent or with a, a guardian other than the therapist that the father pawns him on. The father who, by the way, is a therapist and should know better. Or a father who is a therapist and when the girls try to talk to him about the mom and her passing, he refuses, like, walks away. I know, so as if that's actually an it. option. I didn't right. even know that was an option. And on top of that, he's a therapist <laughs> who decides to run his practice out of his From house. From the home. And I totally get it. A lot. <laughs> A lot of people do that, apparently, because we saw the same thing in American Horror Story, the first one. The dad oh, he runs the his therapist. That, yeah, right? Yeah. That's I, how... I get but, okay, I get it. But that's... Uh, we've got to know that that is a it's stupid so idea. It's so fucking dangerous. Not, not, I don't understand why people do that. I understand that maybe financially they might have to do that. But why would you knowingly let somebody who is... For the lack of a better term, unstable. Yeah, exactly. Come anywhere near your family and your children. Like when you go to therapy, you're not supposed to even know anything about your therapist. You're supposed to be able to go in, be in a safe space. They'll walk you through whatever. And then you go out. Like you don't even acknowledge your therapist if you meet them out somewhere in public Mm -hmm. because. It's not supposed to be something to, yeah. like you're not supposed to know that you go to therapy, right? Right. So bringing that into your home seems very strange to me. Especially if you have children. Even if the mother was Especially alive. Especially if you have children. Like the, the forget the fact that the mother passed away in a horrible accident. She Even with her alive, that's a stupid thing to do. Like I right. get it if you're some like bachelor... And you don't really you live by, or it's just you and maybe your wife, and she's also, you know, a tough I cookie. Don't know. But it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, so we come into this movie, into the family lives, family's life, when the girls are going back to school after a month of their mother being gone. Right. And um, this girl, Sadie, is in high school, and all her friends are fucking bitches. I wrote that down in my notes, which um, <laughs> it, it specifically I put, uh, well, it says locker lunch bitches. <laughs> <laughs> locker lunch bitches. Yeah. There's a friend that's like basically mocking her for having a dead mom. Yeah. What it, a bunch of bitches. Yeah. She's got no real friends, this girl. No. Say, what's her name? Sadie? Sadie. Yeah. But also, we don't really know enough about the family to make us care about these characters. Right. I mean, you innately care about the children. Like, the little girl, you don't want anything to happen to her, though we know nothing about her except she's scared of the dark. She sleeps with all the lights on, right? She has a cool ball. Uh, uh, what is it? Like, LED ball light. Yeah. That's which is really cool, and cool. I would like one of those. But... We know nothing about them. We don't know their hobbies. We don't know their interests. We don't know what they did before the mother died. Like, we don't know enough about them to really be attached to them, which is where I think this movie kind of loses people because you want to care about the character. You want them to make it or not. Like, example, in Halloween, right? JLC, we see her. We know that she's shy girl. She's really smart and she is a babysitter so she's very responsible and she's very polite and whatever but we know all of these things about her prior to her being in any dangerous situation right we like her independent of oh no person is going to be in a dangerous situation no we care about her as a character because she has all of these other traits and and um and i guess bits of her personality that we grow to appreciate and acknowledge yeah. we don't have that with 
any of the characters here. In fact, with the dad, we hardly see him. I think that the way that the movie opened with the cold open, because they wanted to catch you so quick with this death of a baby. But the thing is that you'd think that that was like more of a main character or whatever tied around that but it, it's not. And then the problem is, is that because that was such a dramatic thing, you can't then go into an explanation of like, for example, let's say they went back a couple months when the mom was alive and then we go through the death with the mom so that we can actually learn to get to know the characters. Or a flashback. Yeah, maybe a flashback. But that's what I mean. It's almost too early for a flashback and it's, it, was, it wouldn't have worked for them to do another dramatic scene. So I think they're thought was we had this cold open let's go right into it this family had a loss and we're just supposed to kind of you know feel for them but but the only character we know anything about is the mom that she was an artist Mm -hmm. because she has a painting room yeah and i do find it really weird that sadie had not a single friend the friend that came up to her and sort of mocked her who's like the you know halfway in halfway out Mm -hmm. she's not her best friend, no. nor probably never was, but she's got not a single. Usually, in most situations, like you you've have a got bestie. one best friend. There's another weirdo like you that you at yeah. least attach to uh, occasionally. Yeah, and that's another thing too is that she had nobody. Right, she had one friend who was pseudo there, but You're that talk- was it. Yeah, that's the one we're talking yeah. about, the uh, Asian friend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She tried to be nice to her. She gave her a ride once, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But those... other than that, she basically was pressuring her to get over being sad. Yeah, those the, they were such bitches that in the captions, they were labeled as girl number one, girl number two. <laughs> they didn't even have names in the right. captioning, at least at that point in the movie. I think later on maybe they did, but at that point, it was just girl one, girl two. Right. Anyway. Um, and, and yeah, so she has her little experience where, you know, I don't know if we're not obviously going to go through the whole movie, but uh, scene by scene, but she finds out real quick that her friends aren't there for her and she goes home and that's where the this cold open guy kind of uh, well, so, comes back into the mix. Right. So meanwhile, at the house, the dad is seeing clients still. And as he lets one client out another one just um, suddenly appears and it's one he's never met before. Mm -hmm. He's never vetted. He's never had a, you know, let me just make sure this guy's not a violent offender. He just lets him in his house. I know. This is Lester. Now this is Lester, the father of the baby who died in the beginning of the movie. Not only that, he is also father to two other children, a total of three children who have died back to back. To back right and he's out of his mind obviously but he is so trapped in his own grief that you can see like he's slumped over he's just walking around dark right he tells the dad you know there's this entity this my daughter drew it here's this drawing of it and it's just your basic stick man right like not stick figure man like you do a pencil drawing but just a long thin guy it's a long thing guy theory, right? Yeah. It's a long thing guy boogeyman. Yeah. So the dad goes, I have to go to the bathroom and excuses himself and leaves this guy in his house who he has no history on, no information on, leaves him, goes rooms away to the kitchen to call the police to send somebody over. Even if nobody had been home. Now, we as audience know that Sadie's home because she was bullied at school. She came home. Right. right? So... We know she's home, but even if she hadn't been home, what a dumbass fucking thing to do. You just leave a stranger who you do not know anything about, who's obviously very disturbed and quite possibly killed his children because that's why he's also upset is that people think he is the one who killed his children and you just leave him alone. Your back turned. Like even when he was making his call, such a guy thing, I think. Because if a girl was making a phone call to the police, she would not be hunched over a, ca- a kitchen counter with her back to to the door. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things that are not like this is not a woman's movie. <laughs> yeah. It's got a strong female character, but this is not a female character. Yeah. Oh, well, a, a she was movie. in her headphones and not paying attention. And that is very typical for the youth I'm talking, of today. I'm talking about the dad. Oh, the dad. Yeah, the he's dad. hunched over like yeah. an idiot and, too. And yeah, I got you. Leaves the car. He leaves the guy Lester alone in his office for so long that he manages to go. He Lester 
manages to find his way upstairs into the mom's paint room's closet. Mm-hmm. Like how like you have to make your way around the house, make your way upstairs, find a room, and then supposedly hang himself in there. Right. And the thing like when okay, so he gets off the phone. You're right. There's just a lot of this is where I, I like to nitpick common sense in movies and things like that. Like, you know, if you work from home and that's your setup, then okay, maybe you would have thought an extra level of security. Maybe you have a locking door so he could be locked in your office, or maybe you don't have your back turned, or maybe the moment you realize that things are taking a little too long, you go check on him or something like that. Keep or, the door in your sight. Yeah. It's a cordless phone. I know. It's it's like there's a lot of stuff common sense wise. Or then the moment when he was not in your office, you don't just start yelling. Not knowing that your daughter's home is one thing, but her, she would have heard you be like, hey, who? where'd you go, you fucking idiot? Where are you? You know, in my house. And then like... It would have been alerted her to some suspicious person in there too. I don't know. Just it was a lot of parts of it where that was kind of like taking me out right. of it. But I don't you know. know. I don't oh. know if it's a violation to record your entrances to see who's coming and going. But even here, there are cameras. Who's mm-hmm. coming? Who's going? Yeah. Why would you not do that in a place where one you have daughters? Of course, you yeah. have daughters. Not only you don't have daughters, you have daughters that you don't even take care of they're on their own they're free balling yeah yeah you're right and then that's so yeah he's got no logic the dad he's a dumb idiot and um you know so 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 the thing though also is now lester we're thinking like he killed his kid in the opening well at least this is what i thought and the fact that he's now re-entered the scene is like okay well what's gonna happen where is this gonna go he's gonna probably murder the the daughter he ends up hanging himself in their house mm-hmm. well why because he saw the boogeyman and was going to come kill him so rather he'd hang himself before he so, dies or he knew he was going to do something bad to the girl later on in the movie we do meet this guy's wife because at some point sadie finally believes that there's something happening so he she goes and visits his house his wife is still there mm-hmm. and they're obsessed with this boogeyman theory right right so from what she tells Sadie later in the movie, it seems like he killed himself in that space to transfer the entity from their home to somebody else's home. Kind of like kind of like in the ring where you have to have somebody else watch the film so that they die and not you. Okay, so he was trying to save his wife and whatever left was left in his house by going to a different person's house. And trying to kill himself there. So he's sacrificing himself either way. Yeah. And hopefully the entity goes to this new house. Right. So if you believe in the boogeyman. Sure. But then why go to this psychiatrist's house? Why not just find... Maybe because this dark entity has to attach itself to something as heavy as grief. Because Lester does tell the doctor, hey... My first kid died of SIDS. The next one of this and that. I don't even remember what the other ones were. But if the first one did die of SIDS, which happens all the time. What is that? Sudden infant death syndrome. It's when kids die and you don't know why they like died. Like a whoops-a-daisy? Well, so oftentimes, like I remember this was big back when I had my kids because, you know, as a parent, I guess you're exposed to parent things, right? But like there were times where women would be sleeping with their baby on their on their chest and the baby would die and the women would be accused of smothering their child. But really, no, kids just die. Really? Kids just die. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, my God. They I do. thought it was like a shaking baby syndrome. That or is shaking like. baby syndrome. Oh, that's what I thought they were talking about when they said SIDS in no, the movie. you don't shake babies. I thought he was a baby shaker as well as a... No, no. <laughs> SIDS is something... It, it's a... It's a a baby just dies. Baby dies. Uh, that's why you don't want to like. That's why when you have a baby, you don't put blankets in their in their um, in their bassinet. You don't put pillows in there. You don't put toys in there because, and you don't put them on their stomach. You you need to eliminate any other possible reasons for your child to die, other than the fact that kids die. Okay. I now mean, I'm th- not a doctor, but this was my understanding of it. So th- this hasn't progressed since like. Back then, like this is still going on in 2024, kids just die. Yeah. Nobody can explain it. Correct. Hmm. There's a lot that we don't know. 
we pretend uh, we try because it makes us feel safe right. but there's a lot that we as a civilization we don't know or we don't want to think about but SIDS is a real thing so what if this dad truly lost his child to SIDS and this entity attached itself to his grief and and the family's grief and the heaviness and because that's what it feeds on it draws energy from the grief to kill your children and feed off of that right so what if that's what it is and he there was a there's probably new it's a smaller town so newspaper articles something about this accident where a month prior the wife died you can you have easy um, accessible ability to this dad with his daughters and they very much have grief. So let me give you this entity. I know it's going to want the grief of this family yeah. because that's what we had. And we didn't realize we needed to make that transfer prior to the rest of my children dying. What if that was the case? I guess. So anyway, maybe, that was my thing. Maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, so he would. So what you're saying is like he knows that this there's a better chance of this entity capturing onto them because they've gone through some similar grief. They're still grieving. This entire movie is grief. Right. Grief, trauma, um, not being present with your children. Because what Lester does say, he says, um, it comes after the children when you're not paying attention to them. Hmm. Now, what's the boogeyman? To you, um, I don't believe in a boogeyman. Right, uh, boogeyman is not something that is unexplainable. Boogeyman are real people who do shit things. <laughs> so just like your average piece of shit, piece of shit, yeah, is a boogeyman. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, so far the movie, I feel like. The hanging part, it was just like trauma on trauma on trauma for yeah. these girls, you know. Your mom's dead, but now this guy hangs himself in your mom's art studio in the closet over there. Yeah. And, the, you know, then your sister's got going crazy. Well, when the sister gets, like, her bus pulls up to drop her off, mm -hmm. all the police are around. The little oh, girl. Oh, right, yeah, the little girl, <laughs> that's her trauma. One of, her, she... one of her schoolmates goes, oh, the police are at Sawyer's house. Did your dad also die? Yeah, And I'm like, exactly. oh, my God, kids are such assholes. Mm -hmm. I think historically, because Boogeyman has existed for centuries, right? Do you know the lore? Somewhat. Okay. It's, not, it's like this English lore, right? The oh, boogeyman I, is... I was joking, but is there really lore yeah. behind the boogeyman? Yeah. Oh, okay. And so the, the lore is basically... <laughs> the boogeyman is basically a, uh, a mythical figure that preys on misbehaving children. And this movie flips it. And it is a boogeyman that preys on the children because of the, quote, misbehaving adults. Right. They're not paying attention to the kids. One could say they're not paying attention to the kids. So the kids must be misbehaving. Right. Sadie listens to the recording, which is super, right. super illegal. <laughs> yeah. She listens to the recording that the dad did of their therapy session. And now she, in her mind, has the boogeyman as something that exists for real. Sure. So things go bump in the night. Yes, because there are things that go bump in the night. It's all ex explainable like you can easily explain it away but the the little girl the uh, sawyer is already scared of the dark as it is why is she scared of the dark because she has a dead mom mm -hmm. because things that may have happened to her that we have no idea because we know nothing about these girls right but um at the end of the day that she she is scared of this monster in the closet right and she's the one that you really want to make it she's the one the you relate girl. to yeah because it, you're right it's very relatable the the fears of the darkness and the things that are happening happen to her first sure sadie saw the um the entity a, a quick glimpse before the hanging but she didn't even register that it was sawyer the little one who as she was asleep, this creature fucking crab crawls across her, her from her closet to under her bed. Yeah. That, that, oh, my God. That, that, that scene, was a good scare. That scene was good. Um, 
I liked it. And I liked, there was one part in there that I wrote down in my notes. It has to do with a camera flip mm-hmm. when she goes upside down to look underneath the bed. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good shot. I yeah, mean, that, that was, was thought out. Those are one of those things where I feel like they had that idea. Like that was in there probably before script <laughs> was there, you know, like we're going to have the camera flip and it will look cool because it will be able to go upside down. Upside down with, yeah, her. with yeah. her. Yeah. But she, um, and then she sees a monster under her closet and all she does is runs to her sister's room and then they get to, and then they hang out in her room and they try to pull her loose tooth. Now. When she came to the sister's room, though, and at, after that point, didn't she? Wasn't she acting a little strange? Like did, I thought, she got possessed by the boogeyman. I think that she has been so scared of the dark that her going to her sister's room is such a normal thing that she probably she herself feels guilty that she does it. Mm. You know, because okay. and then that's why there are all these light precautions about like making sure that she has lights around her all the time. Her therapist tries to walk her through being in dark space mm-hmm. and in that scene the monster the boogeyman also followed her to the therapy to the therapist yeah i just i have for some reason i felt like that the way they presented her at the at, right after the bed scene mm-hmm. was that sh- something was off that she was kind of like in the dark and kind of just like staring at, at her sister saying whatever the dialogue was mm-hmm. like and it just seemed to me like oh maybe she got possessed by this boogeyman mm-hmm. because lester was possessed by the boogeyman wasn't he maybe maybe if like that's ex- what i don't understand is it is it a possession or is it just like he follows you around he's there but not inside of you Um, I don't know, but I, I, you know, I don't feel like it was a possession thing. I think that because we do learn that Lester and his wife have been trying to figure this thing out. So maybe he knew that it was inevitable. And so he's like, let me just get done with this, get this over with. Let me protect my wife. Uh-huh. Not knowing that this entity somehow attaches itself to both girls and can be in multiple places at the same time. Yeah. So... Is there only one? I don't know. So my confusion, I guess, again, going back to the opening scene, the little girl in the crib says, Daddy, and then dies, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Meaning that this boogeyman spirit wasn't a monster. It was her dad. And then he killed her. So I was thinking the boogeyman takes over their body Mm -hmm. and makes them do stuff. Maybe. But here's what I'm thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. If the baby died of SIDS, it wouldn't have been a blood splatter. Right. And I think the baby, an infant, probably died of SIDS. And this much older kid, a toddler, probably was the one that he broke his neck. No, that's what I thought immediately. The SIDS kid, who I thought was the shaking baby syndrome, (laughs) was the first one I thought. And then there was a picture that he had in his wallet or somewhere of like a a, a boy. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that was maybe the middle child. And I thought the middle child had already died. Mm -hmm. And then this last one was um, the neck break, which is where the blood came from or the splatter or whatever it was. But my point is I thought that he was being controlled by the boogeyman to do these things. Mm -hmm. And when he came to see the therapist, I also felt that he was being controlled by the boogeyman, which is why he was acting weird. And like when he was looking at the daughter doing the laundry, Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, maybe that's what I'm saying. He's going to kill this girl or try to attack Mm -hmm. her because it's not Lester. It's the boogeyman inside of him. But you're right. Then Lester's dead. He hangs himself. The boogeyman spirit's still around. It's floating around their house. And again, and when I saw the little girl, Sawyer, or whatever her name is, I thought, okay, now she's got it inside of her. But then you're right. A few scenes later or whatever in the therapist's office, she wasn't possessed anymore. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, so there was this kind of thing that I was feeling like, are they inside? Are they, is it taking over yeah. them or not? You know, I couldn't figure that part out. What was the movie that we saw recently that we were like, it, it feels like it was six movies in one? Which one was that? Do you have a, can you give me one of the six movies it was? Yes, I think it was one we did recently. I think House, right? Movie House, mm-hmm. 1985, I think. Um, that movie, it looked like it was going to go Haunted House or no, it oh, was right, going to go yeah. Creepy Neighbor or no, it was going to go Slasher, right? Mm-hmm. That's what this movie kind of felt like. You know how you can see things coming in a movie? It felt like you could see things coming for this movie, but 
it was a misdirect or it didn't pan out or it was like like blue ballsing, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. But um, I, I don't know. A lot of these things don't feel – they don't – the problem is it doesn't feel very thought out. Like at the end of the day, I think that this movie is a good movie. I think people should watch this movie. It was fun. It had good scares. And even that cold open, even though we told you about what happened – it's still it's like the Rob Zombie scene where he's about to where Otis is about to shoot the deputy and it just draws it out. You still get the suspense from it, right? <laughs> so that's a nice comparison. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of issues I do have with it. One of which is did does a me okay, so the medium being Salen, and Salen is the name of the actual actress. Um she makes it so that all of these other movies that Rob Savage makes do, exist in the same universe. Okay, the so Savage verse. Did, yeah, the Savage verse. So it's this movie, it's Dashcam which I haven't seen, and then there's Host. Host. So wait, this Salen is basically yeah. playing the same character as She's well. She's playing a medium. And I'm wondering I and I'd have to rewatch Host, but is is Salen what connects them? Like, is, is she allowing this entity to exist throughout different planes? Oh, well, then that brings up a question. Is the the thing that kills the people in the movie Host, is that the boogeyman? Correct. That's where you were going with yeah. it? Yeah. Or huh. is the, quote, boogeyman just named incorrectly? And it is this creature that goes through. We know, we know it can travel through electronics. This here, this movie existing in the same universe as host means that this quote boogeyman would be able to go even via cell phone to all the different locations and it can go through all the different characters and possess every not possessed you got me talking possession <laughs> and and scare and eat the fear eat uh, eat off or live off of the fear that each one of these characters has within mm-hmm. them gotcha yeah maybe um it would be interesting if it was it would it would make me like both movies better for some reason. <laughs> if the Savage Verse was real, I'd actually probably enjoy it more. I don't know why. Because um, I had a lot of questions. I'm looking at my notes here. I was like, why was it targeting Sawyer? And you're right. I wrote the word possessed with a question mark. I'm like, you know, uh, then there Maybe was... because Sawyer already had fear. She had so much fear that she was going to therapy, not just for grief counseling, but for her fear of the dark. Huh. Maybe something happened to Sawyer. Maybe she was in the accident that killed her mom. Maybe it was at night. Mm-hmm. Maybe she fell asleep and all, and then woke up and the car was just in utter darkness until help came. Maybe. Actually, uh, here, let me, I want to read off a couple other of my notes because I'm having trouble trying to remember even what I, I wrote them down. <laughs> Maybe right. you'll bring some light to this. Why did I write Possession Nightmare slash House of Darkness? Mm. Uh, this would have been after uh, Lester's wife... Um, Scene. I don't know. Did uh, was there a nightmare scene for? Maybe there was a nightmare scene that Sadie probably Sa- had a nightmare. Yeah, I think Sadie yeah. had a nightmare, and for some reason I put I put House of Darkness because I don't know why that reminded me of it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, oh yeah, that's what I put. Oh, it says House of Darkness comparison. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't remember. What about the Irish mom and the two Larue Larue? I don't know. I I'm not Irish. I I know that it's an Irish nursery nursery rhyme or something and um it was it was actually a a nice not nice well nice is not the right word it was a good part of the storyline um because it was there was this video um on like a a recorder that um a camcorder that sadie found in maybe the one of four scenes that the dad was in when he was he completely packed up every all of the mom's belongings and inexplicably put it in the basement right so the um in the recording it's the mom singing that nursery rhyme to a baby sadie mm-hmm. um and then when she falls asleep at some point you hear the monster in the closet singing that song i appreciated that i don't know what the nursery rhyme is about but maybe it's important. So who knows? Do you think that the mom's spirit was suffering from the boogeyman or because of the boogeyman? 
Because hmm. the mom's spirit was also there, wasn't it? When the light, the candle light, like flickered or bent. Well, that's where Salem comes in, right? Salem is Salem. <laughs> Salem is a medium that um, Sadie is watching her YouTube videos uh, in kind of like a seance. Um, and it's, mom, if you're here, pull this flame to the left. And that's how I know you're here. And she tries to do that a couple of times during the movie. And she does end up doing it at the end when she's in the final battle with the boogeyman in right. the basement. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that, I mean, it's not real, right? But I don't think that that's a actual thing because at the end of the movie, Sadie does see her mom in the basement and says bye because one of her things that she tried to talk to her dad about was I didn't get to say goodbye. And this is how she gets to say goodbye. Um, I think it's all just her coming to terms with her grief and saying, yes, I'm sad and this is going to be with me forever, but I have to also function. I have to get my dad upstairs who has a broken leg, but is still walking somehow. I have to get my, my, my sister out, you know, and somewhere safe. But it wasn't well executed mm -hmm. because she turns around and she basically is like, bye. And that's it. Like, that's how she tells her mom, bye. Yeah. Like, it's like, whatever. Yeah. Like, I can't be bothered right now. Right. <laughs> I, I also um, wanted to ask you, in, like, later in the movie when they are confronting you, when she, do you remember her, uh, she goes to see Lester's wife again and they try to set up this thing mm -hmm. so they can actually kill it or whatever mm -hmm. the fuck. Why would the bullets hurt the boogeyman? Like, why, like, it's it, a gun, you can shoot this spirit that you can't see with a gun? Well, it's not just a spirit. Things don't go through it, right? It It's it's tangible. It's something that exists. It, it's something you can hold and touch, right? So maybe in this form, when it's eating, because we know that it can pin you down because it's a really cool scene. That was a nightmare. It was a really cool scene where Sadie is pinned down and this hand comes into her mouth. Oh, right. That, yeah, that yeah, whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's something that's real and you can touch. It's not a spirit. It's not an, uh, a, just a, you know, ball of energy. It is a thing. So that whole idea is like, we know that it's going to be here because the cameras or all that and the guns were all set up or whatever they were doing well they to knew it was going to be there it. because the light finally was going to close in around the people that he was trying to get which was not just sadie but also lester's wife mm -hmm. my thought is maybe when it feeds it has to be real like it has to be mm -hmm. tangible and that's why they used sadie as bait because it in order for it, it's okay. Like it's like in Freddy Krueger, right? She has to hold, Nancy has to hold on to Freddy and bring him into this, in, not into like a dream state, right, like yeah. into, real life. into real life. And she yeah. gets his hat, his hat or his glove. Yeah. I forget which one it was. Yeah, I forget glove. too. It might but, be his hat. Yeah. But she does it right. She gets something in. And mm -hmm. so in order for him to be able to, uh, be killed freddie right she has to bring him out of the dream world maybe it's the same thing like he has to come out to feed but that's when you also are able to kill it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so i just i think my notes are so funny because i wrote them at the time when we watched it and mm -hmm. i don't know really what my context was now because it's been a few days mm -hmm. but i just think they're funny the way i'm reading it because i put here like Okay, well, we talk about mom, the, the mom's spirit. Was she suffering from the boogeyman? But then I've got stuff like, where uh, where did the tooth come from? In you know when they had that um, the weed when she smoked, smoked the, the weed, weed. The tooth comes. And then I put like uh, here's where it comes from. Okay, do you remember when they were pulling uh, Sawyer's tooth and by tying mm -hmm. a string to the door yeah. and slamming the door shut? Yeah, the entity, the boogeyman, took. Oh, the, he took the tooth, the tooth at that time. Yeah, he yeah, took the that's tooth. right. But it came out of her body, which means how did it get in her body? Remember um, when in the dream he stuck his hand in her throat? Oh, okay. Okay. He was yep. fisting her <laughs> mouth. So now I've got, I got a lot of comments about dumbass dad, hospital scene, were you high? You know, and then uh, there's one I wrote here where it says stairway to hell, alien boogeyman, dad to the rescue, not. 
<laughs> Bone Breaks Dad, Mom to the Rescue, Lighter Bug Spray, Paint Thinner, Sadie Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dress burns, and I wrote another toothpick. I think that's a Sopranos reference because there's an episode called Another Toothpick. But this is at the end. Shut the closet door, ending thoughts. And that's how the movie ends. <laughs> yeah, that's how that, it That's ends. essentially it because, okay, so all what you just said is final confrontation. Sadie was at Lester's wife's house. I don't, I don't know her name. Lester's wife. Sadie was at her house being bait, but she tries to go home. Her dad call uh, she calls her dad to see where they are they're home mm-hmm. and she tells him listen to me for once and he says okay i'm listening and gets sucked into the house yeah before being able to take a step away the boogeyman has taken the dad down to the basement sawyer escapes and is surviving because she is plugged in to these outside uh, Christmas lights, the green and, and, and red ones that blink. Yeah. And uh, I really, really love the cinematography in this part of the movie because you see her face, and I can see where you see the possession coming from because when her light, her face is red, she looks vulnerable. When the face is green, she looks evil because of the placement of the lights. Mm-hmm. So it's overshadow, undershadow, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it, it is such like cin- cinematically, like, visually it's such a great scene but i have an issue with it the lights don't work in the house there's no power in the house what has she plugged in these (laughs) lights to these magical lights that are so effing long that they go from the closet where she was hiding in which presumably is where you would have plugged them in i guess because she was plugged in there Mm -hmm. into the closet down the hall down into the basement and then all running around the basement until they kill this monster. So magic lights. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I really like the Sawyer character. But anyway, the girls go downstairs. They have to find their dad. They um they find him hanging on a wall with this creature above it. And so Sadie's armed with the hockey stick and she's going to go and kill it, but they don't know how. <laughs> they we do know that he doesn't like the light, so Sawyer is safe because she still lights. She's still wrapped up in Christmas lights. But they have to try to figure out how to get rid of it. And they find that it's scared of the lighter. And Sawyer has been spraying with like, I don't know, bug spray, some kind of thing. Every time she saw a um, something coming towards her. Mm-hmm. And they inadvertently combine them. And they start setting the basement on fire, trying to get the boogeyman on fire Uh, in in the most like boneheaded way. (laughs) And it works. It burns or its physical form burns because we see it later come up. But in order for it all to work, the entire house had to be burned down to a crisp. Takes a lot to kill a boogeyman, I guess. I know I watch a lot of like procedurals and like arson investigation and CSI and all this stuff, but a fire marshal (laughs) would be able to say this fire was caused because your teenage daughter (laughs) set a fire in your basement. We're not paying out this insurance policy. Well, maybe that serves him right for having a home office. (laughs) The whole moral of this story is don't have a home office. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you're a psychiatrist, fucking get an office somewhere. (laughs) But yeah, and then then we go flash forward to who knows how long. They're all in therapy together. The therapist had, throughout the movie, the therapist had asked the dad to participate in the therapy with the girls. They finally get there. That's why I wrote another toothpick, because another toothpick is the episode in The Sopranos where Carmela is first introduced into the therapy sessions with him. It it opens up on a shot of Carmela, and you don't know where she is, and then the camera pans around, and you see that Tony's next to her, and they're at Melfi's office. That's why. So I wrote it because it was group therapy, and Dad was finally there. He's the the other toothpick. And and he's finally saying why he's been such a douche nozzle. Mm -hmm. Because 
he didn't ever want to be a dad. Yeah, I know, right? And he I never thought, wanted you guys, but... Yeah, but they, they try to make it all emotional and supportive, but I didn't want to be a fucking dad. And I thought, well, since your mom's here, she can take care of all of it. And if I have questions, I'll just ask her. But now she's not here. And that is why he has been distant. He didn't want them. Now he's stuck with them. But when they're walking out, being a whole happy family now, while they're walking out of the therapy session... She hears, because the quickie man can mimic voices, she, uh, Sadie, hears the therapist say, hey, come help me with something. She goes into an empty office. The closet is open. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And then she closes the closet. She closes it. And but, then you see the actual therapist behind her like, like can saying, I help what you? The fuck? What are you, are you doing you, back here? The fuck? Crazy but also, arsonist? The, also, the dumbass dad, again, walks out. Um, and you know, to like, he doesn't even give it a second glance that, oh, his Sadie daughter went didn't, back in. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, Hey, I'm going to walk with my little one here now, and just whatever. Knowing that these dark things, ex- like in this savage, what did he call it? Savage verse. In the savage in the verse, savage verse yeah. that these dark entities exist, knowing for a fact, for a motherfucking fact that these exist in the savage verse and you as a dad in the savage verse. Would you not keep your children with you at all times? Yeah, I mean, and that's be like, what I'm "Hey, saying. Sadie, where are you going? Think she called you in? Let's all go in there and see what's happening." After everything that yeah. happened, exactly. And that's I would what I mean. not like, let my kids out of my sight. Like I hardly do that now, and they're adults. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's also the logic of people who don't live the lives that we live, because there are people out there that think like that's just totally normal. I don't know. I. <sighs> Anyway, my favorite character in this movie is Sawyer. Sawyer? Sawyer is a badass. Mm -hmm. She is a strong son of a bitch. Like, she doesn't scream and cry every time she's scared of something. She tries to confront her fear, right? Even though her fear is darkness and it still terrifies the crap out of her, she still manages to find a way to exist with all of this fear, which is... What happens when somebody dies around us, right? If somebody dies around us, we don't get over their death. We don't. It's impossible. How do you get over somebody who was so important to you not being there anymore? What we do is we learn to live with it. Yeah, it's not a we getting learn, over. It. Yeah, we learn, to, we learn to miss them in a way that allows us to still lead a healthy lifestyle, I guess. But or you- she is the one that is a true representation of the strong person in this movie. The dad was a little bitch. I'm too sad to talk to the kids I don't want. You know? I don't think, yeah. I mean, he, he he's, he's hard to relate to at all because of he's a therapist. Most people aren't therapists. Yeah. He's a home therapist. Most people aren't home therapists. He's a, a deadbeat absentee dad. Like yeah. uh, that there's a lot of, but the thing is at least they're, <laughs> maybe they're out there making, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I get, I have no idea. Whoa. I'm not one of those people. What if, what if, what if he killed the mom? You know what? That would have made for a better movie. Because if he killed the mom, <laughs> <laughs> I think it would have made if for a better If he killed the movie. mom and then Lester killed the kid, Family annihilators are the prey of the boogeyman. Hmm. Okay. No, no. But then that destroys my Salem theory, and I'd much rather have that one sure. be true. Yeah. Because I love the idea of Salem being this happy medium, but actually, it's casting this boogeyman into your life. Right. I don't think he would have killed the mom for the sense that he, he didn't knows want the fucking kids. He needed her. Yeah. <laughs> If it happened, it was an accident, and then he's like covering it up. But yeah, well, which. Makes but then sense. he would be panicking more. He would, you know, I don't know. Anyway, boogeyman, the boogeyman, right? Just one, not boogeyman. The boogeyman, yeah, and yeah, yeah, the boogeyman controlled by Salem. <laughs> um, I don't think I have much more on it. I don't know. What about you? Did we miss anything? Probably. Probably. Probably nothing important at all, right? Well, I still want to leave some of the jump scares for people to watch. Um, I like the movie. I wouldn't watch it again, but because I've seen it twice already. <laughs> but it was a good movie. I think it's got good scares. I think it needed some character development for sure. Um, I The cinematography was good in a lot of aspects. How did we not connect to the characters 
who had a lot of dialogue and yet we connected so well with characters in other movies that had no dialogue. Listen, sir, you connected with Justin Long's character in the in the dark in the House of Darkness because you're a dude <laughs> that's been duped by women. But <laughs> we all connected to the no dialogue having character in uh No One Will Save You which is another movie about grief, but we all connected to that one because we've all felt at some point in our lives unsupported mm -hmm. and alone. I thought that the boogeyman sketch um, of kind of like... The Babadook? It, yeah, it sort of <laughs> reminded me of the, not the Babadook, but the um, the alien f uh, with the longer yeah. arms and legs in the... Uh, no, no One Will, one will save, save You. you. Yeah. yeah. Had that kind of same, kind of creepy thing that came out of the tree again. It all actually comes back to... That I sort think, of image that I saw in the tree that one time. You know why? Because a lot of people are scared of the dark at some point in their lives. And a lot of people are scared of spiders. <laughs> I'm not. Well, yeah. Spiders don't bother me, but I don't want to have them on me or near me. And they move very fast. Right, but fast. something creepy, crawly. Like like even when you say creepy, crawly, and if you're going to you, use your hands to use it, you, you do the same kind of movements, right? right? Like you wiggle your jazz hands a little bit, right? Spider style, spirit fingers. Yeah, is that is that a is that a kung fu style? I know there's tiger and the crane. I wonder if there's spider. I style. am not the one to ask that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would recommend it. I would give it one thumb up for for effort. Everything else, and one thumb halfway for character development, because I really would. I mean, I did con con connect, but I did appreciate the Sawyer character. Um, cause she was tough, but I didn't like anybody else. Yeah. Not like our favorite Sawyers. Tom Sawyer? Tom Sawyer's your favorite Sawyer? Sawyer? What Sawyers are you talking about? From Lost? Oh boy. Wait. The Sawyer. The Sawyer family from, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Whoa. Are you possessed? Have yes. you been forgetting things that... Yeah, I got so near fisted in my heart. mouth. <laughs> I got mouth fisted. Sorry. Ouch. <laughs> uh, no, the Sawyer family from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I didn't think of them because uh, you, nobody really refers to them as the Sawyer family, really. So no. I appreciate that you did. Yeah. Well, that's because you ended up putting together a whole Sawyer family tree on a flow chart to try to figure <laughs> out how they all go together. You don't talk about that day. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's our sign to be done. Oh, I guess. Uh, seems about right. Seems about... Did I just hear a recorder? It's the chair. Oh, <laughs> like there's a boogeyman in here. <laughs> it's a boogeyman. Run. <laughs> Creep your mouth closed. Creep your mouth closed? <laughs> Keep your mouth closed. <laughs> Listen, I've been fumbling words my older age i don't know why maybe because you're getting old also that's like your eighth beer today eight <laughs> are you kidding me uh that's my first make people think i'm like a it's super 10 drunk a.m <laughs> we're podcasting is it really 10 a.m no, no. <laughs> holy like, shit uh anyway that's all i got all right well um it was fun i enjoyed watching it um, I didn't realize we were going to do an episode on it, so I'm glad that we, I'm glad we did. You know, it's good yeah. to talk about some different movies that are out there, and a lot. You know, believe it or not, I've been noticing that there's no shortage of good and bad horror movies now. Like, there's so many horror movies. You know how we look at it as in decades, uh -huh. like the '80s, the '70s. Okay, mm -hmm. there was classic movies. Not all of them are going to be classic, but the 20 from 2020 to 2023, <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of horror movies that have been released. Yeah. And there's, like I said, no shortage at all. Not all of them are great, but definitely there's a lot. And um, sometimes the ones that weren't the greatest ones in the beginning end up becoming cult classics 20 years later. So watch some podcasts going to pop up in 2044 about these movies being like super hits well i i kind of feel bad for this newer generation of people who who or the generation after us who have not grown up with the movies we've grew up we've grown up on where we have been in like the the golden era of horror movies uh in our youth yeah and so 
a lot of the things that we found to be scary and believable in our youth, they wouldn't find those scary or believable. And the movies being made today, we'll say, don't hold a candle to those. However, it's it's just a new time. It's a new place, you know, so we can't really say that. Yeah, it's, a, it's I mean, they have access. They have access to being able to watch the movies on streaming for the most part. But yeah, exactly. They didn't live through the times. And um, I don't know. It's just, but that's how we evolve, you know. But at the end of the day, though, we also have, you know, this podcast literally is an appreciation of all movies, um, all all decades of horror genre altogether, right? So oh, we've I'm done... glad you said that because next episode is going to be on Bone Tomahawk, which you don't think is a horror movie. Um, okay, we'll discuss that. <laughs> we'll discuss that. There is a few little bits and pieces of some horror elements sprinkled onto a no, very... we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> All right, then. So with that, I guess I bid you adieu. Yeah, thanks for coming by. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. check out what we're doing, visit us at icecreampodcast.com or you can find us on social media at Ice Cream Parlor, the podcast. <laughs>